We're calling Catherine Birdie, but have a juniper and don't worry, darling, because it's in us all. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Zara Phelan. And this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to another week of cinematic fun off screen, and welcome back, Ms. Phelan. And we've had uh, we've had quite an interesting and eclectic week of uh, of new releases this week. It's it's very skewed in the drama category, I would say, and also a weird propensity for actresses turning writer directors uh, this week, given that they seem to have handled three of our four new releases. Uh, this week, that's that's insane, isn't it? It is insane, considering you know we it, it's been a, a long term discussion about the, we don't have enough women filmmakers, and we get free yeah. for the price of one this week. <laughs> Female driven feature films, they're like bosses. <laughs> Right, so let's get on with the first one of the week then. And I think we're going to talk then, first of all, about uh, It Is In Us All, uh, which is in cinemas uh, from today. And I, I was really looking forward to this one because it stars Cosmo Jarvis. And uh, in 2016, he starred in... I thought I saw him on screen for the very first time, starring opposite Florence Pugh, who I saw for the very first time in Lady Macbeth. I said they should both be stars. It worked out for one of them. I'm just waiting for him now, and I don't think he's far behind. <laughs> so this is the next rung on that ladder. He is, I think he's Hamish McDougall, who is uh, a sort of businessman with a, a sort of fractured, broken family, has a working, literally a business-like relationship with his dad, goes home to sell, I think it's his aunt's home, sort of the ancestral home in Ireland, and while he's there, gets himself into a car accident in the night that is... I think it is primarily the fault of the other party, but uh, in, uh, the, the accident, the survivors of the accident include a young boy who it, turned, who it transpires was actually driving the car. And the, 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 the relationship that starts to form between our Cosmo Jarvis lead, Hamish McDougall, and this young boy veers from the inappropriate to the downright macabre, as Hamish McDougall, played by Cosmo Jarvis, I don't know why I keep saying that, it's just fun to say it like that, as Hamish <laughs> McDougall, played by Cosmo Jarvis, uh, also embarks on this journey to discover his roots and really who he is. Hamish Considine, that's a nice name. Sounds like a saint. Just, um, just wanted to visit the place, I suppose. Mum would have liked that. I'll give uh, writer-director Antonia Campbell-Hughes here um, all the due in the world uh, for this. She's she's done a great job um, on the directorial front. Uh, for me, I think the writing is slightly too abstract for this to really be that big breakout kind of directorial vehicle. I think this is this is this is more of a festival showcase of a thing. Cosmo Jarvis's performance, though absolutely terrific like i'm on the money i maintain this i'm right okay he's gonna be huge watch it i'm telling you it's taken a few years he's gonna be massive this film though uh looks incredible it's very immersive but i think it's a bit too abstract and not uh, not quite as defined not not quite as well drawn. A lot of it is played in, uh, played internally, if you know what I mean, I think, for, for my money. But I do think Cosmo Jarvis and Antonio Campbell-Hughes, otherwise, though, 
Star Jobs. What did you reckon? I. It's very atmospheric. Hmm. Immersive. Yeah. I do feel you on that whole festival vibe thing. Um, Cosmo Jarvis, I thought he was just too stiff, to be honest. I didn't yeah. like the posh accent, for one, and I didn't like his whole posture. That really... <laughs> that got, I don't his know, posture. one thing to pick up was his posture. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. It just made him look really stiff, though, without the whole thing. But I must admit, it is quite realistic, because it's a bit where he breaks it... Well, he fractures his arm, but then he goes and breaks it. And he throws up, and yeah. I nearly threw up myself when I saw that. It was, oh, so it is very quite, it's visual, it's very visual. It's a visual and visceral, then, I think, in that sense as well, because it's, it's attitude to violence, uh, to, to the death, and, and, and also things like the bone breaking. It's attitude to just the, the cold, dull nothingness of violence. I say again, give it to Antonio Campbell Hughes because that that is in the, I think that is in the direction. I think Jarvis does play that very well as well. So I think there is that element to her directorial style as well. I think it's a good partnership between the two. I think she, I think it, this is one of those where if it was co-written with someone, I think we'd be talking about a slightly a slightly better film. I think if there'd been a co-writer on it with her, would have been one notch higher. But as it is, I'm I'm inclined to go with uh, you know a, a three star film with some four star ingredients. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I don't feel the same way actually. I do think it yeah. was quite lacking in it. It's in its. It seemed really empty to me. It just. It seemed to miss something. I mean, yeah, there's lots of drama and it's very atmospheric and, you know, there's always that question hanging in the air. You know, with this relationship with this young boy. Um, yeah. But I just found it. Really... It gets dark, doesn't it? It does get dark. But it's like, I, I just felt empty at the end of it. I was like, yeah. yeah. I'd argue that's kind of the film doing its job, really, if it's made you feel that hollow, empty despair by the end of it, because it's kind of going <laughs> for that, really, isn't it? Yeah, but maybe not quite the I same think... way that I felt. <laughs> no, no, maybe not. So anyway, a movie I've been dying to talk to you about. I really want to know uh, how you felt about this, because I, I, I'm... I'm more fascinated by your take on this than I think I could ever be in my own to be honest because for one thing it is decidedly not aimed at me so um, Zara tell me then about Catherine called Birdie so okay we got another female director here we got Lena Dunham from the, who's uh, involved with the girls series um, and we've got a young girl called Bella Ramsey taking the lead and we've got Andrew Scott in there as well you know the sexy priest and we've got Joel Olwyn <laughs> and Billy Piper priest. as well that's yeah. what everybody knows him for. <laughs> anyway, this is based this is based on the 1994 novel by Karen Cushman. So it's, it's quite a popular book, so I've heard. Um, and it's set in medieval England, surrounding this you know this young 14 year old girl who's the daughter of a financially destitute lord, played by Andrew Scott. Yeah, that that'd be Andrew Scott, wouldn't it? He's the the sort of uh, bank on the verge of bankruptcy lord. Sorry, continue. Go on. Yep. Uh, basically. To get out of their debt, shall we say, he needs to marry off his daughter to the first wealthy suitor. But she's not quite a fan of that. Well, how has this happened, Phineas? After all, you're paid to prevent things like this. In essence, my lord, you have ignored me. You have spent profligately and without censure. Nonsense. I can't have spent so much. Give me one example of, of an expense not strictly necessary for the survival of my family. Really? My tiger has arrived. It's dead. 
The travel was harsh from Siberia, my lord. They have this just sleeping, It's father. not breathing, you fool. Perhaps some water? Right, so this takes on... If you're a fan of horrible histories, I think mm. you'll probably like this, because the whole aesthetic of this whole film is horrible histories. Uh, we've got, you know, this girl, she's... Which, which really annoyed me, actually, was the fact that yeah. this is set in medieval England, but they've added in an element of a contemporary female thinking. So it's this very feminine... Anachronism. They've, they've done an, it's an anachronistic... Yeah, yeah that. Um, <laughs> glad you have the big words. <laughs> um, and, you know, this, she, this young girl, she basically does everything in her power to try and put off these wealthy suitors. And she's, the, the actress is very obnoxious. I found her so obnoxious. The first five minutes of this film, I actually, I thought, oh, this is going to be really fun. Because there is a lot of fun there to be had. But then after about half an hour of her stupid antics, I was like, all right, she's doing my nut in now. <laughs> um, again, the, the, the supporting cast don't really have much to do. It's very much her film. Fair enough. No, but I, I see what you mean. I mean, the supporting cast, I think, are structured in a very sort of uh, Austenian way. Like, they do serve that supporting function. And literally, there's uh, something comparable, I think, to Jane Austen's Emma, because obviously that's one that we see adapted mm. quite a lot. And Jane Austen's Emma is something I thought of quite a lot uh, through this, because like yourself, I've never read the book. I didn't know it was a book. Um, I, I have an ex who's a fanatical Lena Dunham fan. Uh, so for years, I have avoided um, the work of Lena Dunham. Um, so I didn't know she was actually coming out with this. I will say this for right. Lena Dunham um, has got a long storied history of, of directing, directing and comedy. You know, she co-created, uh, didn't co-create, she just outright created Girls, I think, um, and directed as well as wrote a lot of them. So her, her knack for comedy, though rarely flexed these days, is quite sharp. I would say that this is what you get if you literally applied, as you say, horrible history to the audience for girls. Horrible histories for the audience for girls. I don't want to say horrible histories for girls because that sounds obnoxiously <laughs> gender specific. I mean, horrible histories for the girls audience, for the audience of the show Girls. If you like that show, which I do, I actually think it's quite a good show. I think I've not seen the last season or two. Uh, I hope it all worked out for Adam Driver. I really do. I don't know what became of him after that. But um, <laughs> I hope he went on to better things. You know, even better than that. But... Uh, <laughs> Could you imagine not knowing? <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I think it works. It's got a zippy energy. I liked Bella Ramsey because I think they capitalised on her Game of Thrones typecasting, her zeitgeisty mm. bits in Game of Thrones really well. Uh, I had niggles with a, a little bit of the writing in how, for instance, Andrew Scott's character was played because I found him quite inconsistent. And I loved, and I do mean loved, Joe Alwyn in this. I cannot believe how far we've come in a few years that I can actually say, oh my God, Joe Alwyn in this movie, baby. Yes, bring it on, sir. Rock on, you are the dude. But yeah, brilliant. Oh, and Sophie, uh, Sophie Okanedo, go on. I don't actually, I don't know where you got that from. I mean, I like Joe Alwyn, but he yeah. didn't have anything to do apart from, you know, being the good looking uncle that she fancied. There was he just was a whole nice persona. I just don't think he had anything there for him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I there's, there's a, I think there's a level of investment to that character in a sense. Um, it, it's, an, it's an element that has entirely to do with uh, where he winds up. That I think is that that's a gender thing. That's a gender relating thing. I think in the same way that I couldn't relate to so much of the rest of the movie. 
there were elements then in there that you said, yeah, okay, I get that one. I get that feeling, bro. I feel you. God. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Catherine Corberti is out today in cinemas, and select cinemas, but it's on Prime Video on, is it the 3rd of October? I think it's the 3rd of October. I think 3rd or the yeah. 7th. 3rd of October uh, to stream as well. So I personally, I recommend it. I think it's a good time. I know you struggle with it a little bit more than me, but I say I'm the Game of Thrones fan, so I'm tuned to the Bella Ramsey thing. But uh, anything you want to wrap up on with? Because I say four stars from me, but I accept that it might be a bit too weird for some people, so you might have to take it down to three for most. But go on, over to you. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to go for three as well. I mean, it is it is a good little bit of fun at the end of the day. It's If you can put up with obnoxious 14-year-olds, go at it. Yeah, we're going to party like it's 1399. Uh, welcome back. And for the second section of our theatrical releases this week, we have, um, first up, we have Juniper. So we're heading over to New Zealand for this one. And the feature directorial debut for Matthew Seville. Never heard of him myself. Apparently he's an actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, it, this stars uh, Charlotte Rampling as a, a, <laughs> a cantankerous old grandmother. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> Um, yeah, she sorry. has uh, basically, yeah, she um, it's her grandson has basically on a self-destruction uh, crusade, basically he gets himself suspended from school. It's all due to the fact that he's lost his mother um, and he's then tasked to look after his feisty alcoholic grandmother as punishment. And where it, the relationship starts off quite strained, they actually become quite close. Down on the beach. Sarah's going to need your help. I have to sort out Ruth's trust in England. She's your mother. But you're going to help look after her, whether you like it or not. The main thing is her leg. I just need your help with moving her, really. Keeping her company. Believe me, this is far more humiliating for me than it is for you. Gin to here. Water to here. And a squeeze of a lemon. So how much is an alcoholic drink anyway? Two cases in two weeks. Oh, that's impressive. Yes. Don't ever water it down. Would you like another shot? Seems I've run out of ammunition. So again, the, the, the star of this is certainly Charlotte Rampling for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, she does, obviously, you heard that in the clip there. She, she loves a... Uh, a pitcher of half gin and half water. Um, <laughs> and she, you know, she gives as good as she gets. Or, well, mind you, she doesn't even get, she doesn't give a chance for anybody to have a go back at her. But this mm. is very much a drama without the drama, unfortunately for me. Um, it's very, it plods along at quite a slow pace. Um, and it's all just about building up that relationship with her grandson and those things from her past. Yeah, funnily enough, the fact that it was the drama without the drama actually is what I liked about this one. In, in a light that this was, this kind of unchallenging, just estranged grandmother and older grandson kind of brush. Because I had that relationship with my grandmother. It was, you know, it was, and it was, and she was a goddamn character, believe me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, you, you don't forget ever meeting her. And uh, <laughs> so there's stuff in this. Where I was like, I can relate hard to this. I, th I thought the relationship was really well drawn. I thought the uh, I thought the dialogue between them, the interplay between them, and I thought the chemistry between them was really uh, a, a, genuinely affectionate. I, I, you you felt that sort of that defrosting 
and that, that, that versioning affection in a very palpable and real way for me. Uh, I do think Rampling, though, absolute star of this, as you say, giving it the full Maggie Smith. And uh, I, I, I like Martin Sokus as well, who I'll always remember as the villain from the first Triple S, as, uh, as, as the dad. Um, I did like this, but I, I, I see what you say. It's kind of plotless, I think, for anyone yeah. who's not really in that frame of mind. You'd show this to someone who was a Green Book fan, but not someone who <laughs> wanted to watch Hobbs and Shaw tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It doesn't have any action. But then, you know, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I just, mm. I don't know. Again, this is another one where I felt just something was a little bit missing. I did like that relationship between the, the grandmother and the son. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I just felt it was it needed something else to just, that little bit of a shine. You know what it needed, don't you? It needed Caleb Landry-Jones. Because I kept looking at this movie thinking, who is this, like, mock Caleb Landry-Jones they've got in here? Stop phoning in Caleb Landry-Jones. Just get us the actual Caleb Landry-Jones, for God's sake. Anyway, uh, so that is Juniper. Funny enough, and is... funny enough, I kept imagining him that in that role too. <laughs> you do, do. It's because we watched that other one so recently where he was the shooter. Yeah. Um, yes. So, so that, is, that is Juniper and that is, uh, that is in cinemas from today. And uh, the final one, and you can't have missed this one coming. Oh, boy. Right. Let's get to it. Don't worry, Day. Second film from Olivia Wilde. And uh, well, this is following her directorial debut in, I think it's late 2018, with Booksmart. Which I think was out in like 2019. So I get my favourite of the year. Uh, I love Booksmart. It was basically super bad, sort of gender flipped and done very well. Weirdly with Jonah Hill's actual sister. Uh, Brilliant, brilliant movie. I love uh, Booksmart. However, this is not what you expect as the follow-up to Booksmart. So Olivia Wilde has gone full Jordan Peele on us. And, and I do mean that in, in kind of a positive way. So what you've got is Florence Pugh is the young sort of trophy housewife in the idyllic American 1950s suburb of, I think it's called Project Victory. It's an almost, in the same way that uh, Cape Canaveral and all the different NASA stations around the, the southern the eastern southern US used to have like, you know, small manufactured communities for their workers – Project Victory, this mysterious government thing that they all work, that all the husbands work on, has this idyllic community for its workers and their wives, and usually quite young children. Florence Pugh, however, being our our young lead, Alice, starts to suspect that something is uh, something's not quite right in Project Victory. All is all is not quite as it seems. Something might be amiss. This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. You, you know the lyrics to the song. Take it away, Flo. I'm so sorry I forgot to tell you, but you're not feeling very well. And the only way to cure it is if we stay home all day and I tend to you and kiss you and cook for... Bye. Bang, bang! Security level, yellow. All residents safe and accounted for. Victory is safe and secure. Here you can live the life you deserve. We can all live the life... Frank has built something truly special. What he's created out here, it's, it's a different way. A better way. Victory has things money can't buy. Mm-hmm. 
I live next door. You wouldn't believe the things I've heard. Jack and Alice only have time for each other. What is the enemy of progress? Chaos. Yeah. Ooh. Nasty word. Chaos. The one thing they ask of us is to stay here. Where it's safe. So, in 2019, following the release of Booksmart, there was a bidding war over this project, and allegedly 18 separate studios competed for the rights to this movie, competed to buy this out. That's how impressed they were by Booksmart and the pitch for this. And it didn't even have Harry Styles back then, because it was still Shia LaBeouf. He hadn't even been sacked at that point. So, um... <clears throat> Let's uh, let, let's just do this one uh, by them. First of all, Zara, yes or no? Do you think this justifies the controversy and all the hype and everything around it? No, I mean I liked it. It's a great. It's it's you know meets. Um, it's completely different to Booksmart, but you know I don't think the whole uh, controversy is. I think it might be quite the flow just to bring a bit more attention. Which I don't get, because I think this is actually a perfectly good, as I say, Jordan Peele-esque attempt at a sort of a, a psychological thriller. Um, Olivia Wilde, I think, fares a lot better with that than you would expect. Also, she's on camera, which I didn't realise. I didn't realise she actually had a supporting role in this. Um, my MVP of this um, would be Chris Pine, who is playing a character <laughs> reportedly based on Jordan Peterson. And as someone who only recently started bothering to use TikTok for the first time, let me tell you, I'm sick of the sight of Jordan Peterson. I never need to see Jordan Peterson again. Ugh, good Lord. He's like Joe Rogan for people with degrees. He's the worst. Anyway. Um, Sorry, I've glassed so, so over. I have got, no you, idea who you're talking about. <laughs> you are better off not knowing, my dear. You trust me on that. You're better off knowing right. who Jordan Belfort is than Jordan Peterson. Anyway, um, Kiki Lane, I quite liked in this as well, in a sporting role that apparently was inherited from Dakota Johnson. I think this works. I really like this because a lot is hung on Florence Pugh's performance. And she's more than up for it. She's up. She just gamely walks away with this in in just the prettiest little heels, like just the daintiest. Walk. She just carries the whole thing in the most impractical heels imaginable, as if it's nothing. She's badass. She's so good. I even managed to like Harry Styles in this. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we all know what favorite scene that you liked. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That included uh, Florence Pugh. <laughs> Fifteen minutes in, guys. It's Fifteen minutes in. Okay. Anyway, um. It's not the one with the nudity. It's not. <laughs> but 15 minutes in, guys. Anyway, um, so I, I liked this. The <laughs> fan in me uh, did see the, all the big twists and sort of reveals kind of thing uh, coming. Um, or the genre fan in me, sorry, I should say. Because I'm very weary about what is and isn't a spoiler for this. Because I yeah. do feel like the kind of audience that buy into the, co the manufactured controversy around this film... I hate to say it, are also going to be the kind of audience who will be genuinely surprised by where it goes, if you know what I mean. Most of the audience of this are going to be Harry Styles fans because he's in it. Yeah. They're going to come and watch it in droves. And, you know, he does mm -hmm. he does give a fairly decent performance, even though he doesn't really have that much to do. He's in a few, quite a few scenes, but he hasn't got a meaty role at all. Right, we can't really go into spoilers, but can we also just say, had it been Shia LaBeouf... 
and he'd not been sacked mm. for apparently just being really threatening. Um, <laughs> I mean, that seems to be the general vibe is that he was just really confrontational and threatening. Um, yeah. And that's his. That's apparently just his way. I don't know. I didn't watch the John Burnfall podcast to get his own sort of internalized monologue on the subject. But uh, you know, mm. again, TikTok just does provide you know a clip every ninety seconds for that if you are so inclined. Guess who that's aimed at? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I will say, I mean, if had it actually been the case that Shia LaBeouf had stuck in the role, I think the film would have actually been more terrifying. The film would that his character would have been a lot creepier, especially given yeah. the way certain elements of the film are played in the third act. We shall say because I'm trying not to be spoiled, but I think there are certain things <laughs> you get away with insinuating and, and doing if you've got Shia LaBeouf versus. Harry Styles, you know what I mean? But again, that's neither here nor there. I think it's very good. You don't need to worry, darling. The hype is is not necessarily justified, but the movie's very good. And I don't think it's as good as Booksmart, but I do think it's very good. I think it's a four-star film. I do. I genuinely think it's a four-star film. I think everyone should go and see it this weekend. I think there's a reason it's the big hitter. I think it deserves to be. Don't get the IMAX thing entirely, but uh, yeah, I'd watch this again, hopefully. I would, actually. I would definitely as well. And Chris Pine plays sleaze perfectly. <laughs> Bloody knew you'd be on that train as well. I Bloody knew it. <laughs> Groovy. Welcome back to Off Screen, and we're going freeview for you next. So get down that couch, grab the remotes, let's have some freeview filmic fun. And we'll start tonight with, I thought, a pretty good uh, 2013, I think it was 2013, Tom Cruise sci-fi thriller. Uh, I remember seeing this was a big deal in IMAX uh, when it came out. Uh, this, as far as I understand it, is what got Joseph Kaczynski the job directing Top Gun Maverick. I think this like ingratiated him to Tom Cruise. And there's a lot of flying in this movie as well, so I imagine that might have been a thing. So Tom Cruise got to fly and ride a motorcycle in this. And I think he said, ah, you're all right. You're all right. I'll keep you. We're doing this Top Gun sequel. Give me a card, just in case. And and in the meanwhile, you you get to see a really good sci-fi movie with Tom Cruise, Morgan Freeman. Uh, I think it's Olga Kurilenko. Is it that? Is it, uh, yeah. Andrea Riseborough is in this as well. Um, so Oblivion. Tom Cruise is like the last man on Earth, and his partner, who is Andrea Riseborough. And they just go and empty the energy collectors or the waste collectors every day while the human and to feed the energy back up to the colony that the human race now lives on. So the Earth is like a toxic wasteland, really, isn't it? He's just the, the sort of security guard. He's Wally, really, isn't he? Sexy Wally. That's basically his whole job in this movie. Only he discovers that the rules that you know he can only go up to this point on the map and he can't go beyond that. All of this stuff that seems quite arbitrary might not be there for the reasons he thinks. I mean, it's a sci-fi movie starring Tom Cruise. He rides a motorcycle. How do you think this is going to go? I mean, yeah. So, Oblivion, 9pm <laughs> tonight on Five Touch. Very good. I enjoy Have you seen Oblivion? You've not seen Oblivion, have you? No, I, I mean, this. I've looked over the whole section of this and it's, it's mm. very much schlong swinging going on. <laughs> and I've only seen one film in the section. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, it's probably the best film in the whole section, to be really honest. But let's uh, let's come on to, to uh, tomorrow night then. Uh, 11.35 on film four. Uh, this was, for five minutes, this was an Oscar baby, if you remember. Assassination Nation, which I think came out in 2018, uh, written and directed by Sam Levinson, son of Barry. You know, he of uh, Oscar glory, of course. Uh, Rain Man director Barry Levinson. And this is the story of a group of girls in Salem, in the, the Salem, like underline the 
Salem, Massachusetts, um, when there is a data breach and this small town is effectively hacked and all of the town secrets get flooded out uh, into the world and chaos just ensues. Uh, have a listen. My name is Lily Colson. I'm 18 years old. And I don't know if me and my friends are going to live through the night. This entire town wants to kill us. And they may say that it's because they thought I was behind it. Or that I'm a whore, I'm a moral, I'm a homewrecker, I deserve it, I have it coming. Guess what? I didn't hack anybody. I didn't do it, and I don't know who did. As for being a whore, a homewrecker, a moral, sure. It doesn't hold a candle to your righteousness. I really like this one. This is just a fun, visceral, nasty, but quite poignant and, and meaningful. I mean, you talk about how much of a sausage fest this week is. Assassination Nation does stand out amongst the crop on Freeview as being very female-driven. It's a really, really good movie, um, but also very grisly violent <laughs> as well. So it works It works for the Purge fan uh, in me. On then to Sunday nights, uh, one of my favourite movies of, I think, 2011. On 5 Star, 11.05pm, Jason Statham in the coolest cardigan collection you've ever done seen. He hunts a serial killer in <laughs> Blitz. It's an absolute banger. Worth it for Paddy Considine as, uh, as as his part of the banter between them is just absolutely terrific. Uh, David Morrissey gets a fun supporting role. I'm really surprised you haven't seen this one, Sarah, because you love it. Yeah, no, I don't even think I've ever heard of this one, to be honest, which I'm quite ashamed of because, you know, it's got the stafe. We can't resist a bit of the stafe and his dry wit. No, no, indeed. And it, and it works It works paired with very brutal violence in this very solid thriller, which I do think should have made an absolute star out of uh, Aidan Gillen, but somehow didn't. He did get his Game of Thrones job out of this, though, I think. Oh, no, might have come first. Uh, 2009, 2009, 2011... I'm not sure what year. It must have been 2011. Right, on then to uh, Monday night. One I know you've seen. Film 4, yes. 9pm. You know the name, Zara. Snatch. Snatch, who loves a bit of Snatch? we got Guy Ritchie, we got The Stafe is back again, and a bit of Brad Pitt, Vinnie Jones, Benicio Del Toro. It's a massive... And it's all about an unscrupulous boxing promoters, uh, violent bookmakers, a Russian gang gangster... Um, amateur robbers. It's just one big, great bit of fun. So it's, an, it's one of the all-timers. I still think it might be Guy Ritchie's best movie, like over, over Lockstock. Mm. I mean, no, no, no. It's between that and Lockstock, isn't it? But I think before The Gentleman, it was his last good movie. Um, another movie yeah. from sort of that era, the, hey, the hey, heyday of early 2000s, sort of film for culture, filmmaking, is uh, Neil Marshall's first movie from, I think, 2002, uh, which is on Tuesday night on Film 4, 11.20. Another one I'm surprised. We've got a clip for this one. I'm, I'm surprised you, you're not a huge <laughs> fan of this one, Zara. Uh, dog Soldiers, in which a bunch of squaddies go on training exercises in the, in the woods in Scotland, only to find themselves set upon by, wouldn't you know it, a pack of big old werewolves. The thing that really freaked us out that day was when left-hand Charlie found a bit of Eddie with a tattoo on. I mean, everything else was burnt to a crisp, covered in claret, all mushed up, pulped up. Not this bit. This bit was perfect. And there's old Nick, shortening his off at us. So you could say that Eddie was right. That Satan did indeed save his skin, just not all of him. 
Or you could say that Eddie was just unlucky. Either way, it taught me to keep a very open mind. Boom, boom. I bloody love this. Worth it for Sean Pertwee, Kevin McKidd. Just a great cast in there. Liam Cunningham. I absolutely love Dog Soldiers. So good. I uh, took a date to see this when it was out in the cinema back in <laughs> 2002, I think it was. And uh, she literally... And she, I, 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 it was nothing to me. I watched werewolf movies all the time. And she clawed through my hand. Through, like, by her fingernails. Just clawed through <laughs> my right hand. It was, uh, it was, it, so a great date movie then. <laughs> great date movie. I mean, it's okay, but uh, I, I think I liked the movie on a different level to her, however. Um, let's move on then to uh, Wednesday <laughs> night, one you would never use as a date movie. Uh, bro, the Brian Singer directed Tom Cruise Nazi movie. The second Tom Cruise movie of our week. <laughs> I would assume this movie's okay because they keep showing it on Freeview constantly and we needed something for Wednesday night. So uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise plays uh, Count von Staffenberg, the man who attempted to assassinate Hitler by famously putting a bomb in his briefcase. Was he successful? Well, whether or not you know that tells me how much you know about history and whether or not you'll enjoy this movie. Um, I actually thought it was riveting. I didn't know the story, actually. I, I thought it was great. I, I, I really liked this movie. Great cast. Ken Branagh except, uh, in there. Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard as a Nazi. Who thought that would work? But, uh, alas, I'm going to end the week in style, though, Zara. One, I think this is overlooked. I think this is unappreciated. I think you are going to love this because the cast alone is just going to make you rock your world. Okay, so it's called The Loft. It's from 2015. It's a remake of a 2008, I think it's a Dutch language uh, film called, and it is about four, I think it's four or five men who rent an apartment together in the city away from their wives where they can cheat, you know, where they can take their mistresses <laughs> one by one. They take it in like timeshare, their, their, you know, side piece pad, effectively, only one day they, they all turn up and find a dead body there and it's obvious one of them has done it who is it I wonder and the fun of this because the, the plot as you said you, you've kind of heard before the fun of this yeah. is in the cast which includes Wentworth Miller uh, Eric Stone Street from uh, Modern Family Matea Schoenartz oh, who am I missing out uh, and Carl Urban James Marsden just, Carl, Carl Urban, Urban. Oh, and James Marsden. Yeah, sorry, James Marsden. There you go. And, and but, but Carl Urban, in like peak 2015 maximum hunk mode, I'm telling you, Zara, you're not going to survive the weekend watching this, but I will leave you <laughs> with our preview picks of the week with a little snippet from The Loft, which is on Thursday, 9pm on the Horror Channel. Do you know what? Any Anyone out there who's taken a liking to Carl Urban from The Boys, brace yourself for his, for his, his hunk period. What are you doing? need to get her out of here. How? She is shackled to the bed. Can't you guys see what's going on? Someone is trying to frame us. Who? Who wants to frame us? I don't know. But think about it. The body's cuffed to the bed. It's impossible to move. The Latin, the knife. Someone did this for a reason. Hell, the cops could be here any second. Yeah, but none of us know who this girl is. We don't even know how she got in here. Who else knew about the arrangement? Who else knows about our arrangement? Did anyone blab? Someone is trying to set us up. Like who? I don't know. A, a rejected girlfriend, a jealous boyfriend, betrayed husband. Someone with a motive. Look, is one of you guys in some kind of trouble? Groovy. 
Welcome back for one last ride off screen and taking you down the virtual DVD and Blu-ray aisle right into Streaming Central. We're talking about all the swag you can get at home this week of the cinematic variety, obviously. So um, let's start with one that's on Netflix from today, which means we didn't get to review it because it's on Netflix from today. So didn't even get to hear so, about it. <laughs> didn't even know about it. Didn't get to film. hear about it. Yeah, because it's on Netflix from today. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... It sounds like we never hear from Netflix anymore. It's like new phone who dis every time we get in touch. It's it's bizarre. I was at the first Netflix Christmas party. Do you know? I was at the very first Netflix Christmas. And it was incredible. You know what? I really it was. It was like going to the Playboy Mansion. It was incredible. But uh, my times have changed. Just it, honestly, it was. They gave us all Roku, uh, Roku's, Roku's, Chromecasts, and things. They're just giving us all gadgets. Where was my invite? <laughs> I mean, this was this was like you know the last decade, my dear. I mean, we knew each other by then. Right. Okay. So anyway, let's yeah. let's talk about our new movie, which I'm sure and I hope genuinely because I really like everyone involved, is a lot better than everything else they've been putting out lately. It's called Lou, <laughs> and it stars Alison Janey as a sort of grizzled woman who happens upon a young woman and her daughter one day. The daughter then gets short, gets kidnapped shortly afterwards and grizzled hunter woman sets out to help the woman retrieve her. It's badass. Have a listen. What the hell? He took my daughter. Hold on. Who did? I have to track him. Stay here. Hey, where are you going? To find my child. If you slow me down, I will leave you behind. Where is he taking her? Things are escalated. So yeah, Alison Janey there, kicking ass, taking names, and apparently putting bullets through everything that moves. I can't wait for this. Got very much a uh, uh, "Those Who Wish Me Dead." I think was that the Angelina movie I'm thinking of, the one from like a year ago, where she was the fire firefighter who really was just Angelina Jolie coming back to do a movie and remind us that she could still kick ass, not that she needed to. But uh, it's got kind of that vibe about it. Can't wait. I really hope this is the upswing for Netflix because Blonde is out shortly, and I really want that to be good. Like, you know, don't, <laughs> please don't waste an Anna Diarmis Marilyn Monroe movie, for the love of God. Anyway, um, speaking of movies not wasted, let's uh, talk about like, an old class, an old favourite. Everyone's favourite musical. A, a classic of the modern genre, which comes to Disney Plus from today, Where It Belongs. It is, of course, the role Hugh Jackman, huge jacked man, Hugh Jackman, <laughs> was born to play. It is, of course, the completely revisionist chronicle of the life of the <laughs> otherwise completely sociopathic P.T. Barnum. It is the musical that was The Greatest Showman. Uh, we're not going to play a clip, don't worry, because we, we can't even begin to deal with the YouTube copyright issues. I ain't got the time in the week to deal with the copyright claims and things like that. But it's Never on do anything D+. against Disney, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't fight the mouse. You know how it is. <laughs> no. You don't fight that mouse. Um, it's a great show on D Plus from today. Uh, coming to Prime Video tomorrow. 
Uh, we'll have a little listen to this one in a second as well. Uh, you and I watched this. I remember we reviewed this together in... Uh, it was between lockdowns. It was in August that year. It was when Tenet it was. was out. And they gave it us on a link to watch. And you, you came to visit me in Cambridge. And we, we watched yeah. this in that really cool guest house. And I think I liked it a lot more than you did. But I still think it's far yeah, hell of a lot more. the trilogy. Yeah, far and away the weakest <laughs> of the trilogy. Uh, does have a great Dave Grohl cameo, though, as most movies, you know, mm-hmm. this sort of subgenre do tend to. It is Bill and Ted face the music. Bill and Ted are back for one last ride to save not only history, but their own legacy, too. Take it away, boys. Greetings, my excellent friends. Do we know you? I'm Kelly. Wait, you're Rufus's daughter. I am, and I've been wanting to meet you my whole life. It must be very disappointing. Not at all. We have a problem, gentlemen. Potentially a very serious problem. About the music? About the music. They just want to talk to you. (laughs) Dude, I got a very bad feeling about this. It'll be fine, Ted. They totally love us in the future, dude. Yeah, you really didn't uh, enjoy this one, uh, did you, when it it was uh, when we were reviewing this one? (laughs) Oh, hell no, but I don't like the whole Bill and Ted franchise, so I went in sort of predetermined it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a very healthy attitude for a film critic, and one that I did not share when I walked into <laughs> Vortex, um, a new movie by Gaspar Noé. When, when you say the words, a new movie by Gaspar Noé, it's usually followed by adjacent sounds of exhaling in the room. It's usually, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, usually it's more, oh, no, what now? What's he done this time? <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, Gaspar Noé's love <clears throat> is one of the all-time most bizarre experiences I've ever had in this job, sitting in a room with the likes of, you know, Bobby Collins, Wendy Eyde, Mark Kermode, James King, and watching porn in 3D. It's yeah, it's quite awkward. Something I never thought I'd do in my life. It, uh, you know, cool. Like, that's how I saw my late 30s going. But yeah, um, so his new movie, bearing in mind he'd given me that experience like one of the last times, right? his new movie is a very soft, sincere and heartfelt chronicle of dementia between an elderly couple starring in his very first acting role, legendary uh, filmmaker Dario Argento. It's a beautiful mm. film. And I can't believe it's from Gaspar Noé, subtitled, so <laughs> you know, obviously won't won't find too big an audience. But uh, yeah, other than that, a very good movie. I believe it was made by Gaspar. You know, take from that what you will. Um, on then, to I'm actually quite movie, surprised um, that you're pretty much um, <laughs> speechless with that one. <laughs> I watched porn in 3D for that man, <laughs> and and he's gonna hit me in the feels. Okay. Okay. Go for it. You really are jack of all trades, man. Master of all genres. Go for it. Okay. On then to uh, speaking of crossing genres, uh, this one. This one goes from exciting summer action movie to straight up dull. Uh, let's talk then about coming to DVD and Blu-ray. Sorry, Vortex was on DVD and Blu-ray, by the way, not stream. Uh, uh, DVD and Blu-ray for Vortex, as is. Jurassic World Dominion. So anyone who's looking to fill that last slot on the DVD shelf. I'm talking to you, basically every ex-girlfriend I've ever had. It's out. You can you it's out on Monday, obviously. You can you can get Jurassic World 
Dominion. I don't know if you specifically want to, but yeah, this is this is where we've decided that apparently bugs and locusts are now more exciting than dinosaurs. That eating crops, locusts eating crops. Yeah. Okay. Over to you, Zara. What do you think of Jurassic World Dominion? Uh, I simply went on this because Universal hate me enough already for the initial review that I gave this film, and I don't that want to very, antagonize them anymore. That's very, very true. <laughs> and, and we can't we, we, we can't even play politics with that one because they just outright said it. So, yeah, yeah. we can't really. It, I've been there. It's, it happens. It's okay. You, 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 that, give it about three to six months. You know, you, you're fine. You, you get them on the next <laughs> yeah, okay. tentpole. It'll be fine. You'll you'll be back interviewing Kevin Hart and The Rock in no time. Um, in the in the meanwhile, speaking of speaking of back to it, here's Sam and Laura. How are you, kids? Mm. Amazing, grown. It's shocking. They're both in college. Can you believe that? And Mark. It's over. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. I'm back to me and my work. You know, it's... That's great. It's good. It is. I'm alone at last. Exciting times. Yeah, I'm living the Alan Grant life. It's just... Can be lonely. So free. Allie, you didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? Yeah, it's one of them sequels, isn't it? Let's bring back the legacy cast. And we gave you the Jeff Goldblum cameo last time, so let's give him a supporting role this time. And loads more injuries. I thought this was crap. I'm not going to lie. I, I, honestly, I know you can't say anything, <laughs> but I, I, I don't do the same kind of press things that you do, like with, with junkets and things. So I, I, I get yeah. a lot less of the uh, the politic play. Opportunities. In that yes. Well, see, I don't get really get the opportunity. I didn't think I needed to do it, to be honest. But hey, there you go. <laughs> well, I don't get the opportunity for those people to tell me to sod off. So you, you know, it's, 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 it's spared in my case. I tell you what, though, I did get the new phone who dis on on our next one, which is of course Blonde, which we're going to talk about, which is uh, out on Netflix come Wednesday. Uh, reviews out of Venice seem very good. Um, our mutual friend Matthew Turner. Um, I believe he uh, was quite a fan. It's worth noting that his byline for uh, Don't Worry Darling, one of my favourites of the year, was uh, All Styles, No Substance. I love it. <laughs> nice. Fair, fair pleasure. <laughs> that man does a good pun. That man does an yes. excellent pun. Matthew Turner is number two on my list of all-time, like, actually known in real life pun artists right after the great John Mosby, because no one could ever top Mosby. Mosby. You always call him Mosby. But uh, yeah, so Blonde on Netflix come Wednesday. We will get the chance to talk about that next week because obviously we'll just watch it at home before we review it. <laughs> Easily done. Job. Yeah. Uh, we will, of course, review that next week. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if you are, Zara. So we will also. I am, that. actually. Yeah, definitely. I like a, a little Mon- Marilyn Monroe film. That's it. Because you, you know more Marilyn Monroe. All right. Are you trying to <laughs> insinuate how old I am there? Yeah, no. The, no, no, not at all. It's just the. Uh, <laughs> Classical film watchers in my family, namely, you know, my grandmother, my dad, people like that. None of them watched Marilyn Monroe. I've seen every bloody Elvis movie ever ever made, but never never the Marilyn Monroe <laughs> stuff. I never get to see any of that. No. So, okay. I was on North by Northwest for the first time in about 2006. True story. Like, first DVD I ever checked out of the university oh, wow. library. Um, alas, um, maybe not quite in the same cinematic pantheon, although you may disagree with me on that, as uh, North by Northwest, is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. 
which we should be reviewing next week, alongside Smile, which I know nothing about, and Girls, Girls, Girls. But fear not, because all being well, another streamer who likes us and responds to us a little bit better is yet to come <laughs> through with the link for a sequel I know people are excited about. It's Hocus Pocus 2, yo! That <gasps> next week. Uh, can't wait for that. This is it's going to be uh, it's going to be a ride. If they've managed to get that cast together and they've managed to give them good enough material to work with, we're in for a treat. So that mm. is Hocus Pocus two out next week, which we will get to talk about. We're going to have to shave one of those films down. I don't know which, but or we just try and cram cram more. Maybe we stick blonde in the streaming listings. I don't know, but we'll do something for that next week because we're not we can't yes. make stuff this good, especially as we're getting closer to Halloween and we're getting to the good scary stuff now. The witches are starting to appear. We've got to celebrate all of this while we can. Love a good witch. Exactly. So, alas, that's all we have time for this week. I've been Van Connor. And I've been Sarah Freeland. And we shall return. <laughs>